And uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. We've been talking about building faithful families for the future. We dealt with the foundation. And then last week we hit the cornerstone. And this week we're looking at the framework. The framework of the home. The framework of the structure. It is the framework of the structure that makes sure that structure is square and straight. That it is level. And that it stays dry. Uh, I framed houses for about four summers when we lived in North Carolina, which is why I'm very disappointed in myself that Shane beat me two weeks ago. Uh, Should have never happened. Uh, but uh, are y'all enjoying that? I'm enjoying having fun, fellowship, and and uh, ha- having somebody to go against. And these guys are great. But the framework keeps keeps that building, Brother Richard, square and straight. And it's very important that your structure is square and straight. Uh, When the structure goes up, you watch, you drive down the road, watch a house being built. That structure goes up fast. And when the structure's up, they put them trusses on it. They put that plywood on top of them trusses. And then they felt it. And Brother Richard, it's called getting it in the dry. They don't leave that structure out there to get hit by rain and storms. They put it in the dry must stay dry or else it's going to rot away. Uh, Back in the summer of 20, before I got hit with COVID, my boys and I took on a project at the house and I built me a little shed to put my tools in and my lawnmower in and and, uh, tried to teach them boys some things and how to square up a wall and build a wall and make sure things are straight and square. And that little structure out there in the front, uh, we were putting that together a few weeks ago and Barry said, you think we ought to throw a square on this? I said, yeah. Absolutely, Barry. Let's throw a square on this thing. Would you believe, Brother Richard, we needed more room to put pictures up, so we went and got some uh, little sheets of cardboard, four by eight sheets of cardboard. We put it up Friday, put them cardboard sheets up. So we hit the center of the stud, four foot, Brother Richard, center of the stud, put it right on the end of the stud on the right side. We had it square, Brother Joe. The framework's got to be square, got to be true, got to be right. I was proud of Barry and Shane doing that. I told them how to, I laid out the markings, Brother Richard. I laid it out. I said, boys, this is how you lay it out. We'll split the center. And we hit it. We hit it. Had the framework right. Noah built an ark in the Bible. Solomon built a temple. A wise man and a foolish man, they both built a house of peace. Uh, We find all through Scripture things that were built. The wise man, Solomon, Noah, Uh, Nehemiah, they were all successful. They were all successful in what they built. And I found out, I found out, Brother Richard, when I, when I sat down to make out my building two years ago, my little 10 by 12 building, I had to have a plan. I needed the power and strength to do it. I needed protection over my little building. And then I needed provision to get it done. I needed provision to get it done. I got to thinking about those things this week, and I and I got to studying and looking at scriptures, and didn't know why. Till Brother Joe this morning said, "I want you to help me again tonight." So the power, the plan, the power, the protection, and the provision of your structure. You must have a plan. You must have a plan. Proverbs nine one: Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars, Proverbs 24, 3, through wisdom and houses builded, and by understanding it is established. 
You need a plan. The plan is faithfully seek wisdom. You want your structure true and square and right, you must faithfully seek wisdom. Solomon said wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. You're going to build your home and you're going to build a structure, you must build upon wisdom. Wisdom is found in the word of God. Faithfully seek out wisdom, that is the plan. Uh, it's easy to sit down and say, I'm going to build this and I'm going to put this together and you try to throw up a 10 by 12 building without a plan, uh, it's not going to be true. It's not going to stand too long. You have to have a plan. You lay it out and the plan for your home and your structure, dad, faithfully seeking wisdom. And the wisdom is in the word of God. Number two, number two, you need the power to do so. I remember uh, back in 2020, uh, them hot days in the middle of the summer, I had them boys out there, Brother Richard, we were digging out the foundation, we were, we were digging out, and digging out red clay in the middle of the state of Georgia, in the middle of summer, 95 degrees, power doesn't last that long. Power doesn't last that long. When I worked in North Carolina, we would start at 6 in the morning, Brother Richard, we'd work till about noon. And then we cut out. The first couple of days I was there, Brother Joe, I, I, I looked at Donnie South. I said, Donnie, why are we quitting? Man, it's just noon. He said, we put in tw- uh, six hard hours. It's getting hot, and y'all aren't going to do a thing in an hour. So go home. Your power gets depleted. Power runs out because the heat, the pressure, the attacks upon your body. Same is true in your home. You must maintain the power in the home, Ephesians 2 here in Ephesians 2, the verses that Brother Joe's going to hit. Ephesians 2, 22 says, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God. Now, what's the last three words? Through the Spirit. You need a power. It's called follow the Spirit's working. Following the Spirit's working. It is the Holy Spirit that provides the power in your home. You must walk in the power of the Spirit. Those that are right with God walk in the power of spirit. He that walks after the spirit shall not fulfill the lust thereof of the flesh. You need a power and it is following faithfully the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. The plan, faithfully seek wisdom. The power, follow the spirit's working. Number three, you need protection upon your building, upon your structure. Nehemiah 4.9 says, oh boy, I like this verse. I was looking these things up the other day. Nehemiah said, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them night and day because of them. He's talking about Samballat and Tobiah. We set a watch against them. You need a protection on your structure. Dads, it's called firmly set a watch. Firmly set a watch. You need a wall of prayer. Set a watch with a wall of prayer. Make sure that that structure is protected in the good grace of God. Because without the grace of God on your home, a wall of prayer, how many of y'all find out in the mornings, boy, Brother Joe, there's some mornings I get up, I get going, I get busy, and in a couple hours, Brother Earl, it dawns on me. Son, you didn't stop. You didn't take time to just talk to the Lord about this day. You need a wall of prayer. Dads, we need a wall of prayer about our homes. You say, my kids are grown. I found out in the last two years, I pray more for my boys than I ever have. They need that prayer while they're young. They need that prayer when they're grown. Set a wall of prayer. Firmly set a watch. There's a plan. Faithfully seek wisdom. 
There's the power, follow the Spirit's working, the protection, firmly set a watch. Number four, you need a provision. You need a provision. It's one thing to have a goal. It's one thing to want a building. Got tired of my lawnmower sitting out in the rain and then the tarp I had it covered with, Brother Joe, the wind to blow it off. A lawnmower be wet, the seat be wet. I go to cut grass and my tail end was wet, Joe. I wanted to build it. Brother Richard, when I got ready to build my building, I laid it out. I laid it out. I need this many studs. I need this many two-by-sixes floor joists. I need this much plywood. I started looking at Lowe's. I looked at Home Depot. I looked at Lumber 84. I found out who had the best price. I went to three different places to get all my provisions. I made sure I could pay for it, made sure it was provided for. What did... What did the Lord say about the provision? He said in Luke 14, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? Hey, Dad, is it worth it? Is the structure worth the cost? Find out what the cost is. You say, but, but I can't afford, Brother Tom, we can't afford to be at church every service. Really, I, I don't think I can afford not to. Brother Tom, this ain't going to go over too well. Brother Tom, we can't afford to tithe. I don't think you can afford not to. Brother Tom, we can't afford to, to, to get our kids to youth activity. We can't afford to, to send them to camp. We got a church that helps. You count the cost. You count the cost. That's fully study out the whole cost. Because I found out, I found out in studying out the cost, Brother Joe, that I have a God that shall supply all the need according to his riches and glory. And whatever the need is, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, you count the cost for your structure and you have a plan. And you seek the power and you protect that, you protect that structure and find the provision and the grace of God to keep that structure strong. Now, I want you to go back to Ephesians 2, and I'm going to talk a little bit while I lead you up to this. Uh, the book of Ephesians talks about the church, uh, the, the saved, the born again, those that's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians likens it unto a body, the body of Christ. Uh, the book of Ephesians likens it to a bride, the bride of Christ. And then it likens it to a battalion, an army. Well, there in chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God. But in the second chapter, he likens it unto a building. A building. And I can say something about that bride. Jesus will never divorce it. I can say something about that body. It'll never be diseased or decomposed. And I can say something about this building. It'll not be destroyed. And I'm glad to be a part of the building. And I love the way that God brings us out of the world, out of sin, out of darkness. And brings us into himself. And I want you to see some of these beautiful expressions in Ephesians 2. And look how he starts in verse number 19. 
Now, therefore, you are no more strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. I'm glad I belong to somebody. I'm glad I've been brought in to somebody. Verse 20, and you are built upon the foundation. We've covered that the last couple of weeks. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's why we'll never be destroyed. The church, what you build for God will not be destroyed because the foundation is right. And Christ is the cornerstone. And then notice on this foundation how he fits us all together. He says, in whom all the building, say this little phrase, fitly framed together. Well, I remember one summer at my grandpa's church, they had crafts at Bible school. And one of the crafts was building birdhouses. My birdhouse was so ugly that was not a bird between here and Dan to Beersheba that would live in it. Now you know that you are a messed up builder when you got a birdhouse so ugly that a stinking bird won't even move in it. But I promise you it was put together, but it was not fitly framed together. In fact, that guy teaching that class said to me, Joe Arthur, that is the ugliest birdhouse I have ever seen. And it's one thing to throw it together, but to make it right, you got to fitly frame it together. And can I say this tonight about the body of Christ, the church of the living God, we're just not thrown into something. God did it right. He fitly framed it together. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Who lives in this building? God lives in this building. And I'm glad to be a part of this body, this building, the church of the living God. And I want to deal just a moment with that framing, fitly frame together. Let me give you three things about the the frame. Number one, write this down tonight, the frame is unseen. Now the only time you see the frame is when it's being put up. My wife loves to go look at new housing developments. I think she's picking out where her and her next husband are going to live. And uh, we'll go through these subdivisions that are being framed and and I'll see a slab, and then I'll see some frames or bringing it up, and she'll say, that's going to be nice. And I want to say, hey, I don't think it's going to be nice. I think that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It looks like just a bunch of boards thrown up. But you go back after they put the siding on the outside and the wall material on the inside, man, it is beautiful. But I've never walked up to a house that's finished and said, Whoa, look at that framework. Because the frame is unseen. It's hid by the rock or the cinder block or the bricks or whatever, the, the siding on the outside. Then on the inside, it is hid with the sheetrock. Listen to this, you had not heard this in years. Paneling. 
You know you're old if you remember what paneling was. But then you paint the wall or you hang pictures on the paneling. And everybody goes by and says, boy, look at the beautiful sheetrock. Look at the beautiful paintwork. Look at the, if paneling can be beautiful. Look at all those pictures on the wall. And nobody knows that holding up that sheetrock, holding up that paneling, holding up the paint, the pictures and all the doodads is an unseen frame that must be in its place. And just because the frame is unseen, that doesn't take away the importance of it. Because the frame is there for the purpose to work together for all the other parts of the building to come together good enough for God to move in it. And I want to say this tonight. I want to thank God for the unseen parts of the building. I want to thank God tonight for the unsung heroes of the faith. A lot of times all people see in a church is maybe the choir that's singing or the specials that are singing or the people that are teaching the class or someone passing an offering plate or opening a door or somebody standing at a pulpit preaching the Word of God. And we need all of that. we got to have all of that. But if that's all we had, we wouldn't have enough. And thank God for those that are unnoticed down here, but they will be recognized in heaven. Nobody writes books about them down here. Nobody brags on them down here because most people don't see the contribution that they make. But God said, those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars of the firmament. And just because it is unseen, that doesn't lessen its importance. It seems to be an insignificant part. I've never bumped anybody in Home Depot. What are you doing? Picking out framework. Nobody stands there for hours and says, I don't want this framework. I don't want this framework. It seems to be unseen. It seems to be one of the lesser things that gets the attention. But, but the Bible said, if the little foxes spoil the vines, it's them little unseen things that we don't think are important that'll make your life greater, your relationship with God stronger, and the contribution you make to society even better. The frame is unseen, but just because it is unseen, it doesn't lessen its importance. Because that sheetrock wouldn't stay up there. That paneling wouldn't stay up there. There'd be no pictures. I mean, you wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the frame. And I'm glad for the framework in our life. And by the way, you can't do without the Word of God in your life. You can't do without the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't do without prayer in your life. All of those things may seemingly be less important, but it's the most important. Unseen, but necessary. And so the frame is unseen. Secondly, there's one I want to deal with a little while. The frame is unique. Even though it is unseen, it is unique. Let me say this statement about the body of Christ, the church. I love the diversity of it, but yet I love the unity of it. Let me say that again. I love the diversity that's in the body of Christ. We're all or not the same. 
We all don't have the same purpose. We all don't have the same ministry. Thank God for that diversity. But even though it's diverse, even though it's unique, even though it is different, thank God it's all part of the same building. All frames are not the same, am I right? There are window frames. There are door frames. There are larger frames. There are smaller frames. There are frames that are different sizes, different shapes, and they serve different purposes. But they're all part of the same building. Can I say this tonight? Every born-again believer is a unique member of the body and the building of Jesus Christ. Just like your body, all your body parts are not the same. Your finger is not your head. Your head is not your foot. But I want to keep all three of them. They are different purposes. I point with my finger. I eat with my hands. I talk with my mouth. I see with my eyes. But it's all working for the same purpose. Some can preach. Some can sing. Some can give. Some can pray. Some can win souls. We're all uniquely different, but we have our place in the building and in the body. And you can give as much as yourself to God as I can give myself to God. Somebody said, oh, Brother Joe, he gives it all he's got. Well, you give all you got. I can't give you for God. You can't give me for God. But we can serve God together. The frame is unique. They're different. They're different sizes. They're different shapes. They serve different purposes But it's all for the same purpose. And that's for the building to be right. And I'll tell you something about the fitly framed. That might be a door frame. That might be a window frame. That may be a larger frame. That may be a smaller frame. But if it's out of line over here, I promise you, it will be out of line over there. Because even though they are diverse, even though they are different, even though they are unique, The others suffer when they're not in their place. Uh, Papa Jack, they used to sit on that fifth row on the end. His favorite verse in the Bible was in the book of Judges. When Gideon had that army ready to win the battle, he loved this. I, I bet he quoted it a thousand times in deacons meetings or all through the years. And said, when Gideon got his army together, it said, and every man stood in his own place round about the camp. You got a place. You got a job. You got a ministry. You have a calling. You have an anointing. God wants you to do what you're supposed to do. We're different, but thank God I'm glad we're not divided. Can I say that? We're different, but we're not divided. And so the frame is unseen. The frame is unique. Well, let me say the third thing about it. They may be unique and they may be unseen, but they are and they must be unified. Fitly framed together. Not fitly framed apart, but fitly framed together. 
The wall can't be against the floor and the roof can't be against the floor and the floor can't be against the door. It's all got to be unified. You know why we get sick in the physical realm? Because one part of our body is not getting along with the other part of the body. There's no unity. There's no harmony. And the doctor says, man, you got to get your system straightened out. You got to get your heart in beat. You've got to get your blood pressure right. All of that is different, but it's got to be unified. It's got to work together. The roof can't be the, uh, the floor. The floor can't be the roof and the door can't be the window and the window can't be the door. But if the ceiling will do what the ceiling is supposed to do and the floor does what it's supposed to do and the window does what it's supposed to do and the door does what it's supposed to do and the lights do what they're supposed to do and the plumbing do what they're supposed to do, you can have a good time living in that house because there's unity. And I want to tell you what destroys churches. Let me tell you what destroys families. Let me tell you what's destroying this nation. Discord. Discord, strife, not pulling together for the cause of Christ. Does it not aggravate you to realize we live in a country where political parties had rather destroy the nation to get their party in power? And you know who suffers for that? Common folks like you and I. And I'm just going to say this. There's a bunch of blooming idiots running this country. And one of the greatest tactics of the devil has always been divide and conquer, divide and conquer, divide and conquer. And you listen to your pastor tonight. If you are in love with Jesus Christ and washed in the blood and filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't hate anybody. Nobody's beneath you. Can I get an amen in the church house? This nation cannot stand because it's divided. That's what tears up the family. Division. You've got the dad working against the mom. The mom working against the dad. The children working against the parents. And Boy, we got to have that unity for our nation to work. You got to have that unity for your family to work. And I don't want to open a can of worms and make a bunch of people mad, but I don't know what the Bible said. God said he made a man and he made a woman. Now that's what the Bible said. Buddy, you can dress a man up like a woman. Cut his body off. Mutilate him. Do all you want to do. He's born a man. That little girl, you can dress them like boys, call them by boys' names, whatever you need to do, but they were born a girl. And God said, that man, I'm going to make him a husband, and that woman, I'm going to make her a wife. I mean, that's God's divine order of the family. God said, I made this man, he's going to be a husband. I made this woman, she's going to be a wife. And then he made them stinking kids. No, we made the stinking kids because God gave us the ability to make them stinking kids. But when you get the home, of that, when you get the order of that home right, husband, wife, children. Let me say that again. God, husband, wife, children. 
Children loving God. Wife loving God. Daddy loving God. There's unity. There's harmony in that family. And it's not just a functional family. It is a spiritual family. For the glory of God. Well, the nation's got to be fitly framed. The home has got to be fitly framed. And the church. Church has got to be fitly framed. I made this statement the other Sunday night and somebody looked at me kind of funny, but it's true. I've never had up to this point, never, never, up to this point, never, up to this point. Notice I'm emphasizing up to this point. Up to this point, I've never had a county or a city, city official walk in this room, walk in that hall, go in my office or somewhere on this platform and say, y'all got to shut her down. Never. Never. The city of Jonesboro, Clayton County, Henry County, the surrounding area, none of the politicians up to this point has ever given me one problem at all. Even during the COVID, I called our commissioner. I said, we're going to, he said, but Joe, brother Joe, we ain't going to be snooping around over there. You do what you got to do. And I appreciate that. Aren't you glad this morning and tonight we have met in this room and not one soldier from our state, our county, or our nation has walked through that door with a, a AR-15 and said, all right, get out of here. We're closing this church. I've never had that. I've never had a drunkard cause this church any problems. I've never had somebody that's not saved or doesn't claim to be saved live a life of sin that Created a division or a strife in the church up to this point. Never. You know where all of our battles come from? You know where all of our strife comes from? You know where all of our drama comes from? From within. I've said for years, I've said for years, if I ever start a church from scratch, I was going to call it Broken Vessel Baptist Church. Because it's for broken people. I have changed my mind. I have changed my mind. If God ever lets me start another church, it's going to be called Drama Baptist Tabernacle. And the theme will be on our brochures. You ain't seen nothing yet. Son, these people wanting to make reality shows. I wish they'd follow me around. And I want to say about church drama, what Andy and Barney said to one another about the darlings and Ernest T. Bass. Nobody believe it if you made a movie out of it. But brother, the home's got to be unified. The nation's got to be unified. The building's got to be unified. And the body of Christ has to be unified. But when the preacher's doing the preaching and the singers are doing the singing, except Michelle, that one song, we'll let her preach a little bit. And everybody's serving in their place. You say, but Brother Joe, I, I don't take a, an outward part. I, I don't pray and, uh, out in public and, and, and I don't sing specials. And I, I want to tell you something, brother. If you bring your body to this church and give your money to this church and pray for your preacher and pray for the staff and, and witness to people, brother, you are more, you're just as important as anybody else on this premises. 
Because you know that, that roof is being the roof and that floor is being the floor and them walls is being the walls because we got a house, man. We want the lights to work. We want the plumbing to work. When it gets cold, we want some heat. When it's hot, we want some air. We want it dry. We want it comfortable because we want to have a place fit to live. Man, I want my nation to be a fit place for God to live. I want my family to be a fit place for God to live. I want our church to be a fit place for the Holy Ghost to show up and move in mighty power. I want my own spiritual life to be a fit place for God to live. And even though that framework may be unseen, even though that framework may be unique, that framework is unified because it is fitly framed together. And he should have watched it grow up. Paul said, I've seen the foundation. I've seen the fitly framed together. Paul said, I've watched it. I read it in the text. I've watched this building grow up. I've watched the building as it's gone up. And it's become more than just a foundation with no walls and walls with no foundation. It's become a habitation. It's become livable. It's past inspection, brother. The door is open and now it is a place that somebody can inhabit. And when I read verse number 21, I'm about to jump over this pulpit. When I read who's going to inhabit the building, who's going to live in the building, I said, come on in, sweet Jesus. Because that building that grew on that foundation has grown up. A habitation of God. It's God that lives in the building. It's God that inhabits the building. It's God that dwells in us. And all of the parts of your body are there for one thing, for your health. And all the different parts of that building are there. Sort of pass muster so it can be inhabited. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. I want to pass muster. I want to have the right inspection sticker. I want to be fit for God to flow and move and live in my life. For the sole purpose, Ephesians talks about the church being a body. Its sole purpose is that it might be under the glory, the praise of the glory of His grace. When it talks about it being a battalion, being an army in chapter 6, the purpose is that it might sing the praises of the glory of His grace. When it talks about it being a body, it's for the praise and the glory of His grace. When it talks about being a bride, it's for the glory and praise of His grace. And when it talks about a building, the reason why God said, I want to build this building, I want something that will give me glory and honor and praise. Tonight, our purpose in the body of Christ, whether it's coming to church. Somebody asked me one time, said, what can I do for my church? Go. What a novel idea. I've had people ask me that. Oh, Brother Joe, what's the greatest need we've got? Come. Go. Be there. And when you go to church and you pray and you give your money and you pray and you witness and you worship God, God takes all of that together, your part, my part. And when he fitly frames it together, there's a place he can dwell. 
and there's a place he can put his name. I was talking to this guy the other day. I'd never met him before. He said, I need you to come by my house and pick up something. And so I, I Googled his place, and he said, now listen, you need to come pick up what you need and leave quick. He said, my wife is in town. She's not here. And I've got just a brief window of opportunity. I thought, man, this ain't no drug deal, is it? But he said, we're remodeling our house. We got a bunch of paint buckets, got a bunch of people working here. And my wife don't want nobody around here. But you need to come pick this up. So will you please hurry? She gets back. Because she's embarrassed by the way her house looks. Did you know a man's never embarrassed by the way his house looks? I know very few people that care, few men that care about, really about that. I got a lecture last night. Before your pastor could get a good night's sleep, pray. Come to this church. On my 38th year, pour my heart out to you. I got a lecture. It wasn't elevated, but I got the point. Joe, why do you have junk in that chair and in that chair and on that dresser and on that part? I said, I'm fitly framing it together. And how many of you men will agree with your preacher? I know where the junk is. It may take me four days to find it, but I'll find it and I have a purpose for it. I'll tell you, if every one one of you men in this church right now don't raise your Bible and shout hallelujah, I'm going to call you henpecked. Roy, I'm waiting on you to lead the crowd over there. Oh, boy. Listen, aren't you glad God give you a preacher? Not much of one, but God give you a preacher. Aren't you glad God give you a choir? Aren't you glad God give you trustees and deacons? I mean, men that are willing to sign things and say, if the bills ain't paid, I'll stand good for it. You know, that's what our trustees do. They put their name on the dotted line. If this is not paid, if that's not paid, I personally stand for it. I thank God people are willing to do that. And when you realize how fickle Baptists are and they may just hold their tithe, you really do appreciate that. I'm glad God give us teachers. I'm glad God give us singers. I, I drove up the other day. We have young people in the parking lot directing traffic. Don't you just love that? We got people on our camera, little tag. You go here. You need this. It's here. And then we've got people that sit here every Sunday morning. Uh, they're not loud about it. You don't even know they're doing it. But why? They're preachers preaching his heart out. They're praying, oh, God, bless my preacher. Oh, God, anoint my preacher. Oh, God, send the Holy Ghost. God, do something in mighty power. God, set this place on fire. I'm glad we got everybody. And it's for one purpose. The preaching, the singing, the teaching, the youth activities, the ladies groups, the mission programs, everything, one purpose. You say, what in the world could all those things accomplish one purpose? The praise, the glory of the grace of God. Let me say this tonight. Don't jump ship. Stay there. Stay in that place. You pray. You give. You worship, you love, you sing. 
Thank God for the calling of God that's upon our lives. I was talking to somebody the other day. COVID. The things that's come into people's lives. And I, I and let me tell you, God's people's always been attacked by the devil. I know that. But have you noticed an unusual sense of the powers of hell on people's lives, their bodies, their minds, their families? Church, we need you. And boy, I'm glad God's fitly framing us together. Every time there's, in these 38 years, every time there's been a need, I'm warning God, what are you going to do? God just sends somebody plugs it in. I'm glad to be a part of the body. I'm glad I'm part of the building. And I'm glad I'm the part of the bride. Here's a little song that McCamey sung. A friend of mine wrote it back in 94. Bloom where God planted you and have this assurance though your name unknown may be. God planted you there and he smells your fragrance. Bloom where you're planted for God's glory. Let's just bloom where we're planted. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the word.